I would invite you this morning to take your Bibles and turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians. And we are yet again in Galatians chapter 5. And we are yet again at verse 22. Over the years, I have had a lot of jobs. I, I went back and started thinking back over all the jobs, part-time and full-time, I've had. And it, it's kind of scary. I think it's why I'm, I'm ma- a jack-of-all-trades and master of none. I've done a lot of different things. But one of my, my favorite jobs, well, the one that stands out for me today was for several years, I was the assistant to the director of audiovisuals at a small mission in Winona Lake, Indiana called Grace Brethren Foreign Missions. And uh, in that job, I, I did things like developing passport and visa pictures. I spent a lot of time in a dark room. And uh, I was there in the early days of Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel and learning to, to print labels and to, to do things like that. I I uh, had those, ca- those things that I did that were other duties as required. I have loaded shipping containers for Africa. Uh, I learned how to be a good moving packer when I'm packing, when people are moving through that. Just a lot of things. Um, but I think the thing that stands out for me about that particular job was the character of my boss. His name was Gordon. And uh, Gordon was one of those guys that just never seemed to get rattled. He was a very calm individual. Uh, we actually had a little sign on a, a, a cupboard that kind of reminded us that the next take is always the best. And whenever you're doing anything taping or broadcasting, it's like, okay, that was good, but let's do it again. The next take is always the best. Well, one of the things that we were responsible for was uh, every, every other year, the Grace Brethren denomination would have their annual conference in Winona Lake. And that was big. They would bring all, all the churches across the nation would send representatives to Winona Lake. And uh, we were responsible that the year that I was working there, we were responsible for a major production. Now, this was in the early 80s. And so in the early 80s, we weren't doing video productions, and we didn't have that equipment. It was slides. and, And they would have like a bunch of different projectors, and you would set them up, and they would fade back and forth, and they would be synced to music, and it was cutting edge in 1982. And my boss had shot somewhere around a 1,000 slides to be put into this major production, and he did them in ectochrome, so he didn't leave it to me to develop. Color developing is really hard. We sent them out. And they came back, and I remember the day the package came, and I remember Gordon taking those slides, and he opened them up, and he slid one into the viewer, and the first words out of his mouth were, oh, no. And and he reached in, he got another, oh, you're kidding me. And he got a third one, no, no. And finally, it didn't matter the order now. He reached into the bottom of the stack and slid one in. Oh, man, I'm going to have to shoot this whole thing over. Every one of these is wrong. I used the wrong exposure. And I was waiting. I was waiting for the explosion. I was waiting for something to be thrown across the room. It never happened. 
He's just like, oh, man. Wow. Well, I guess I got to shoot it again. Uh, I was like, what was this? Uh, I know he was frustrated, but he didn't beat himself up. He didn't uh, berate himself. He didn't uh, do anything. He just went, oh, man. The guy that had worked in that office before me was a fellow classmate. I happened to see him one day at class. I pulled him off to this, in the middle of class, or after class, I pulled him off the side. I said, let me tell you what happened. And I told him the whole scenario. And, and before I finished, he said, he never lost his cool, did he? I said, no. Yep, that's Gordon. He said, I've made big mistakes, and he's never lost his cool. What a rare quality. What a godly quality. When you think of that and think about the fact that we live in an impatient world, we live in a world where we want our package delivered immediately. If we have to wait a few days, we decide we'll try to find someone else who can ship it to us more quickly. We live in an impatient world. We want instant access to information, and we can get it. We tend to always be in a hurry. We tend to always be rushing around. We want to see things fixed now. We want to see things fixed immediately. But God calls us to something else. We are called to trust God as we learn to cultivate patience in our daily experience. I want you to think about that sentence for a minute. We are called to trust God as we learn to cultivate patience in our daily experience. I've been thinking about that sentence quite a bit. I have been drawn to a couple of things in that sentence. And the first one is that patience is included in the characteristics of the spirit, fruit of the Spirit because it's truly a quality of God Himself. And we are going to see that develop today. And the second thing I'm reminded is that patience as a character quality is also an exercise of great faith. It's not faith in me. It's not faith in my cool and calm demeanor. But it's an exercise in faith in God to do what He deems best now and in the future. Before we go on this morning, we're going to do what we've been doing each week. We're going to, in a moment, read together Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Today, we're going to read it from a translation that is called the First Nations Version. It's a very new translation of the New Testament. It was... It, it was largely published by InterVarsity Press, but it was a translation where they brought together Native American council, a Native American council of men and women and scholars and people in ministry, and together they went through the New Testament and they put this translation together as a way to, to connect with the traditional heart languages of the First Nations people in North America. And as I read this, I, I just liked how they take the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit and they, they kind of show how they're connected a little bit. So would you read with me Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 
from the First Nations version together. On the other hand, if we follow the guidance of the Spirit, our lives will bear good spiritual fruit. The Spirit will grow in us the fruit of love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithful hearts, gentle ways, and self-control. Our tribal law has nothing to say against those who walk in these ways. I just like the way they have put that. Now, for some of your Bibles, especially if you're using a New International Version Bible today, and you look at Galatians 5.22, you're going to see the word forbearance instead of the word patience. And I think that is not the best translation in this setting because there is another word in the Greek language that means to forbear. But the word patience is a very specific word. It's a word that is the combination of two words. The first word that we use in this combination word is a word that we use a lot. It's the word macro. You may have heard of macroeconomics. Or you may have heard of someone having a macro view of a situation. When we use that term macro, we're looking at the broader view of things. Uh, The idea of macro and uh, economics doesn't deal deal with just inflation. It deals with inflation and gross national product, and it deals with uh, interest rates. And it's just the broad spectrum of economics. We would call it the long view. The the second word uh, is a word that in a positive sense deals with our passions, somebody who's passionate, who who has a great desire. But in the negative sense, it's a word that that, that could be used negatively to talk about anger and rage. One could say it's a word that reflects one's temperament or one's temper. In fact, one scholar has taken these two words and said, this word patience is a word that means long-tempered. I would put it this way. We talk about that person who's not patient, that person who doesn't control their passions, that person who seems to fly off the handle at a moment's notice. We talk about them having a short fuse. You know, that person has a short fuse. You just, and in a sense, what Paul's describing here is a person who has a long fuse. Since I've wrestled with a short fuse most of my adult life, I'm amazed at those who have a long fuse. And that's how, why I was amazed when my boss showed me his behavior in a situation where he could have flown off the handle. But it, I saw in living color that day what it meant to have a long fuse. God has a long fuse. And he wants us to learn from him. Which is why I believe patience is one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit because you and I, we are called to trust God as we learn to cultivate patience in our daily experience. God is patient. And what we're going to do is we're going to do, again, a survey through the Scriptures to see how we can live out this aspect of patience. The first thing that stood out for me as I started to study patience is this. We each benefit eternally from God's patience. You and I have already benefited from God's patience. We each benefit eternally from God's patience. In the book of Exodus, 
In chapter 34, Moses is struggling. There's been the whole thing. He's been up to the mountain already. He's come down. He's thrown the, the, the Ten Commandments and the stones at the people. He's, there's people slaughtered because they were going after the golden calf. And Moses is saying, you know, God is telling Moses, I'm, I'm going to just wipe them all out. I'm going to start with you. And Moses says, God, you can't do that because then you've told the nations that you've chosen Israel. And, and, and there's just this, just Moses is struggling. And he says, God, I need to see you. And God says, you can't see me because if you look at me, you will die. But what I'll do is I'll put you in the cleft of a rock. I'll put you in this little small cave. And I'm going to walk by you. And when I pass by, you can see the back of me, but you can't see my face. And when God passes by Moses, he describes himself in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, and he says this, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. That word slow to anger, that little description, that term, we talked about it last week when the Hebrew scriptures were translated into the Greek language. They took our word for patience. The word that I'm saying is long-tempered, long-fused, and they use that to translate God character. Slow to anger patient. He is patient with humanity. He is patient with his creation. That's who our God is. You and I have benefited eternally because of God's patience. And that's a theme that flows through the scripture. We're reminded time and time again of the patience of God. In fact, as we were studying Romans all, most of this past year, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul is directing his comments toward those who are uh, his Jewish uh, brothers and sisters in the Roman churches. And he talks, and, and some of them could get upset because of his kindness to the Gentiles. And Paul writes in Romans 2, 4, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's patience is a reflection of God's kindness and is intended by God to lead you and me and others to repentance. God is patient with you and me. God understands that we need time, and he gives us time to take to consider who he is. He gives us time to consider what he desires, and he gives us time so that when we come to that point where we understand, oh, this is what I need to do to be in right relationship with God, we need to repent and to change our mind about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He gives us time to do that. He is patient with you and me. One more verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Wow, God's desire, God's Deep desire is that 
everyone come to repentance, that everyone believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he is patient, and he gives everyone the opportunity. And yet we know, because the Bible is clear, God's patience won't last forever. There is a time coming when he's going to say, that's enough, now I'm stepping in. And I know we look around our world today and we go, what are you waiting for, God? Well, just do it now. Come on. What are you waiting for? And, 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 you know, how can can it get any worse than it is now? Well, yeah, it can. And God waits. And God's timing is never wrong. And God's timing is perfect. And you and I benefit eternally from God's patient. And God waits because he loves you. And God waits because he loves me. And God waits because he loves all of humanity. And that brings us to a second reality. Patience is an expression of true love. Patience is an expression of true love. We just heard that reality amplified as we heard Psalm 103 read for us. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, and there's our word again, slow to anger. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, and he has a long fuse, longer than you can imagine. He abounds in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What an amazing word picture. I've used it before. If I leave here today and I start heading north and i keep going north and i go north all the way up to the north pole the minute i cross the north pole i'm going south but if i leave here today and i start going east and i keep going east and i go through indiana i go through west virginia i go over the atlantic i go through great britain i go all the way and i go east i keep going east the minute i come back here i'm still going east But if I go this way and I go west, go through California, Hawaii, da-da-da, keep going, I'm still going west. East and west never meet. God is so patient and so loving that when he forgives us, he removes our sins as far as east is from west. That is an expression of love. That is a God who is slow to anger. He doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. He will act. He's not just like me as a grandpa who just says, okay, grandkids, whatever you want, there you go. No, I'm tempered by my wife and my daughter, so it's okay. Daughters, it's okay. But God says, no, I will take care of things. But the first characteristic, when you think about patience, You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as Paul is describing love, and the first thing he says is, love is patient. You see, true love is patient. 
True love gives someone the time and the space they need to change and grow. True godlike love realizes that we're all in a different place on our journey. That does not mean we don't challenge each other. It doesn't mean we don't correct each other. It doesn't mean that we, the, it, it simply means that we understand everybody's at a different place. Everybody is at a different place in their journey. And, and you know what? Knowing that doesn't mean our patience won't get tried. It will. People will try your patience. They will push the envelope because you know what? We try God's patience and we push the envelope. And we will fail and we will be impatient because of what we read in Psalm 133, verse 14. We are dust, we are creatures. We are finite. We are faulty. And we need godly wisdom in our exercise of patience. And I believe this is true in the overall body of Christ. As a faith community, we are called to be patient with one another. Patience is a characteristic that helps us in building unity in the body. Ephesians chapter 4 is a chapter that focuses on what it means to live as one, to live in unity in the faith community. And that oneness is extremely important to our God. In fact, in his prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples, but then he prays for, as it were, us. Listen to these words. My prayer, verse John 17, 20, my prayer is not for them alone. He's speaking of the disciples, the apostles, the ones that followed him. My prayer is not for the 12 alone. In other words, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That is you and me. No, I wasn't, I'm, I'm old, but I wasn't there in 33 AD. But I'm here today because down through the years, the message of the apostles, the message of Jesus Christ has flowed through the years through until it came into my life, till it came into your life. So he's praying for you and me. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus had one prayer request for all of us who believe, and it was that we would be one in him. And patience is one of those products of the Spirit that builds unity. Paul, in his exhortation to the Ephesian church, he wanted them to live a life worthy of their calling to follow Jesus. And he describes what that looks like in Ephesians 4.2. In Ephesians 4.2, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through a bond of peace. To be patient, bearing with one another, putting up with one another, and accepting one another. 
having a long fuse when it comes to our differences and idiosyncrasies because we love one another builds a bond of unity. Patience is an expression of true love. And sometimes true love is expressed best through compassion and forgiveness because patience is reflected in heartfelt compassion and forgiveness. Patience is reflected in heartfelt compassion and forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, is an entire sermon in itself. I'm going to give you a summary because it has our word built into it, and it shows us how patience helps us live out that compassion and forgiveness that comes through our relationship with Christ and through being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter asks a question. He goes, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, we hear that and we think, you know, Peter, come on. But actually, and we'll be talking about this, by the way, advertisement, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, studying the Bible for yourself and community. We're going to talk about cultural context. In the culture, the rabbis taught that three times was the limit. I'm sorry I hit you. I'm sorry I hit you. I'm sorry I hit you. Biff! You're done. Peter said, I'm going to double that plus one. Seven times? Ooh, I'm magnanimous. And Jesus says, no. 77, or some translations go 70 times seven. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, don't put a limit on your forgiveness. I have found in personal experience that when one does not forgive, when they hold on to the offense, we call it holding on to a grudge. And what happens when we don't forgive is that that grudge becomes part of us and we grow in bitterness. And bitterness will erode your soul. Bitterness will erode your compassion. Bitterness will negatively affect all relationships. And I know when as soon as I start talking about forgiveness and bitterness, I know enough that it stirs up a bunch of stuff. So let me just take a side note and remind you a couple truths about forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean that what someone else did is, was okay. It was not okay. It was sin. And forgiveness uh, doesn't mean that now, if I say I forgive you, now we have to be best buddies and, and have to pretend nothing wrong ever exists. No. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. In fact, in some cases, even though you've forgiven someone, the landscape of the relationship has changed forever, and sometimes the best way to live in forgiveness is with clear boundaries. What forgiveness means is simply this. I release my right of vengeance to God. Because God says in Romans 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Forgiveness means I release that individual, I release their offense to God, and I trust God to deal with them. Now that's a sidelight, and there's so much more to say on this topic, and I know that sometimes it stirs things up. My email is in the bulletin. Feel free to shoot me an email. 
So Jesus tells a story, a parable, to illustrate what he means and to illustrate how God expects us to treat one another. And he tells this story of this king who decided it's time to settle accounts. And so he, he calls in the people, that, and he's calling in all his loans. If I've loaned you money from the royal treasury, you owe me now, and you pay in full now. And a guy comes, and, and, and the text says he, owned, he owed 20,000 talents. Now by some, there's people that study this stuff, some say a talent was the equivalent of 20 years of a common laborer's wages, and he owned 10,000 talents, 20 years times 10,000. For those who can do this, they say it kind of boils down to about two to three billion, with a B, dollars in today's money. It's an incalculable amount. I'm looking around the room. I don't think any of us here deal in the billions. Uh, It's an incalculable amount. And the king is demanding two to three billion dollars paid now, paid now into the royal treasury. Time is up. The loan is due. Pay it now. And the man can't pay. And the king says, "Okay, you can't pay. We're, I'm, 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 I am taking all of your assets and I'm selling them, and, and I'm taking all of your family and I'm selling them into slavery and until, it's, until everything is paid. And the man falls on his knees and listen to what he says. Be patient with me. Be long-fused. Be long-tempered with me. I will pay back everything. And Jesus said the king had compassion on him. Uh, And the king canceled the debt. He erases it. Two to three billion dollars. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. You're good. You're good with me. We're good. Not owed. Paid in full. Forgiven. Just like that. Can you imagine the relief? Can you imagine the call? Honey, guess what? You don't have to pack your bags. You're not going to Alcatraz. Uh, We're staying home. You know, can you imagine just the, the burden lifted? And that servant goes out and he finds an individual that owed him a hundred silver coins. Put that in perspective. That was 100 days wages. Not 20 years of wages times 10,000, 100 days wages. Basically, he owed him four or $5,000. And, and he grabs him by the throat and he begins to choke him. And he tells him, Pay back everything you owe me now. And the guy's going, like, Please be patient with me. I'll pay it back. I mean, that's, those are his words. The words are identical. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But the first servant will have none of it. And he has the man thrown into debtor's prison. Word gets back to the king. He calls that servant in and the king is furious. First servant is 
And he basically says, you're going to get tossed in and you're going to be tortured until you pay it back. And it's awful stuff. But remember, it's a parable. It's, not, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. Something else we'll talk about on Wednesday night. And, and, and he says, this is how I'll treat you if you don't forgive those who sinned against you. What's the point? How does all of this relate to patience? God, in his divine patience, has forgiven each of us an eternal debt of sin that we could never repay on our own. He expects us to reflect that patience and be people of compassion and forgiveness to others. Patience, being long-fused, giving people space and time for God to work in their lives is who God wants us to be. Patience is reflected in heartfelt compassion and forgiveness. And that applies across the board. That means we need to show compassion and forgiveness to the people who aren't our friends. And show compassion and forgiveness to those who don't look like us. And show compassion and forgiveness to those who don't vote for us. And show compassion and forgiveness to those who cheer for our rivals. I mean, that means as a Bears fan, i got to show passion and forgiveness to the Packers fans. When we show God-like compassion and forgiveness to all, we reflect a godly patience that is a product of the Spirit's work in our lives. Sometimes it's not people, is it? Sometimes it's circumstances that get to us. Sometimes our circumstances just put us in a bind. We want things to change now. And that brings us to our final point. Patience is an act of faith in God. There's, on one hand, sometimes our circumstances spiral out of control because of choices we've made. And yet, you know what I find amazing about God? Even when I've made bad choices and put myself in bad circumstances, God still brings somebody along who, if I'll listen, and if I'll take their counsel and their advice, we can work our way through it. But other times we face difficult circumstances just due to the fact that we live in a fallen world. And, and by living in a fallen world, sometimes it's, it's disease, sometimes it's people just being people and being cruel, sometimes it's just bad stuff that happens. And in those times we're reminded of a simple truth by the Apostle Paul. He doesn't even expand on it. He just makes the statement in Romans 12, 12, be patient in affliction. Have a long view in regard to difficulties. And what's underneath that is because I believe that God is there. I believe that God is with me in the struggle. In James chapter James uses our word for patience three times. James chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, listen to these words. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing 
at the door. Patience is an act of faith, trusting God in the middle of difficulties. And sometimes once we've done everything we can do in our power in the middle of the difficulty, we just have to step back and wait and trust God. Growing up in Kansas as a pastor's kid, uh, in our church there were several wheat farmers. And, man, they worked hard. They worked hard year-round. You see, in the summertime, after harvest, they would go back through and they would, they would mow the straw and they would bale it. So, pro tip, when you go on a hay ride this fall, you're not really riding hay bales because hay has thorns and briars and bristles. You're riding straw. That's what, and we call it a hay ride, but it's a straw ride. Anyway, that's a side note. So they would bale the straw and they would store it up. They would use it for feed and if they had cattle or they would sell it for feed. Uh, then after that, they would plow the fields under. Some of them would do a controlled burn of the field and then plow it under. And, and in doing that, they're beginning to prepare the field for the next planting season. Come about this time of year, September, they are out in the field now and they're, they're putting the seed down. They call it winter wheat. And uh, they, then they wait. They wait for the fall rains to come. And, and they wait for the winter to come and they need the snow because the snow puts nitrogen into the soil that helps those seeds grow and germinate and they wait. Now while they're waiting, they're not just sitting there drinking coffee. They're working on their combines. They're working on their tractors. They're working on their trucks. They're making sure everything is ready because the most important thing is the harvest. As the, as the snow melts and we move into spring, you can look out across those fields and, and you can see the, 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 the sprouts of wheat growing and they wait. They wait now for the spring rains, the spring to cut rain and come and rain to come and, and begin to water those fields so the wheat can grow. And eventually the wheat grows and it begins to emerge and they continue to wait because they got to wait till those stalks get to the right moment. And then come early to middle June, they pray like you wouldn't believe that it doesn't rain anymore. We need the sun, the heat, and the humidity to ripen that wheat so they can get into the fields and they can harvest the wheat. But when that wheat is planted, it's all about waiting. When you and I go through difficult times and we've done all we can do, then we're to have patience and trust God. Patience is hard. Patience is an act of faith. Patience believes that God is there and that God will work in God's time. And so in patience, we don't push things along. We don't manipulate things. We wait. Note in verse 9, don't grumble against one another. When things are hard, it's easy to try to find somebody to blame. Somebody has to be responsible. Somebody has to pay. Somebody has to... No. It's easy to take our frustration out on one another. But patience, long-suffering, Having the long view of mind, having in mind, having a long fuse realizes it's not their fault. I choose to trust God instead of cast blame. 
God expects us to trust Him by exercising patience even in the midst of our circumstances. How do we do that? I would begin with prayer. I think it comes back to what we saw last week when we are anxious and struggling. We take everything to God. We take all of our frustrations. We, we lay our circumstances out before God. We, we lay our uh, impatience with the people of God before God. We take it to prayer and we ask God. Ask God to help you to see others through His eyes. Reflect on how much God has done for you. Reflect on how patient God has been with you. Ask God to increase your love for others. Ask God for strength in the moment to get through today. Today is the day we have. God, maybe today is the day I just need to get through. That's one thing I noticed about my my boss, Gordon. He was a man of prayer and dependence. He realized even when he made the error, it wasn't the end of the world. That it wasn't a reflection on who he was as a person. It wasn't a reflection on who he was as a husband. It wasn't a reflection on who he was as a father. It wasn't a reflection on who he was as a child of God. It was simply an error, plain and simple. In the bigger picture, in the macro picture of the world, it was not going to alter the course of human history. It was just an error. And so, in the midst of an error that he couldn't blame anyone else for, he exuded patience. And every person in that office took notice, and every person was blessed by his testimony in his actions. I had a front row seat every day for three years to observe a man who trusted God as he cultivated patience in his daily experience. Today, may you and I remember that we have all eternally benefited from God's patience And in doing that, may we realize that patience is an expression of real love. And may we not forget that patience is reflected in heartfelt forgiveness and compassion. And may we understand afresh that patience is an act of faith in God. We are called to trust God as we learn to cultivate patience in our daily experience. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Um, I can only speak for me. It pulls me up short today. I'm one that wants things done now. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for teaching me to wait. Thank you for not treating me as my sins deserve. May we learn to be people of patience. In Jesus' name, amen.